0: That says under construction, or perhaps it will say something like "excuse our mess." What is your response? You see that and you think, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to go in that place until everything's fixed up." Is that your first response? I dare say, if you like the place, you'll put up with a mess, even though uh, everything may not be perfectly in order. And it's important to you. You'll make it a priority to be there even when it's under construction. Our culture seems to respond this way to everything except the church. I'll say this. Most people will commit to the church until they see something that they deem to be out of order. When there's a mess and when there's something that's out of order, a lot of people tend to migrate somewhere else here's a problem with this if you think about it the church is always under construction always in fact i will so far as to say until Jesus Christ comes again he's going to be actively building his church and now I'm not talking physically I'm talking spiritually you see the church is much more than just a physical building in fact the church really isn't a physical building at all the Bible teaches us that the church is a spiritual people. And those spiritual people are people who are gathering together because they have a common faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so the church is not this building. The church is you. All of you who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are the temple of the Spirit of God. Let's think about building a building. Uh, just a minute ago, I wasn't talking about Building a building over on a new property. What that, what that song was talking about was you. See, the Lord is working on your life, and the Lord is working on my life, and we are the building of the Holy Spirit of God. And so once a person comes to faith in Jesus, that is not the end of their spiritual journey. That's the beginning. That's where your spiritual journey really begins when you come to faith in Jesus as your Savior. For the first time, the church is mentioned in the scripture, is in the passage of scripture we're going to study today. Matthew chapter 16. I want you to look down at verse 18 with me, if you would, in in Matthew chapter number 16, where the Bible tells us, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here Jesus made a promise. He made a promise that he will build his church and that nothing in this world, nothing in this universe will be able to stop the progress of the church that he said he was going to build. so understand this, the true church is not built by man. It is built by Jesus. And that's what we're going to focus on throughout this year, being built by Jesus. But there are so many so-called churches today that are that are being built—they are being built by false doctrine. They are being built by flashy techniques of men. And I'll tell you something: there's 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 uh, a lot of people who can fill up a building with people. There are a lot of. In fact, if, if we gauged building a church by that, then friend, we're dropping the ball entirely. There are football stadiums today that are filled with thousands and thousands of people. Then, if building a church is all about building a building, then we're completely missing the mark. But that's not what a church, building a church, is is about at all. See, it's not just building a, a gathering together of people. Building a church is not something that a man can do. Building a church is something only God can do. By the way, Jesus promised, I will build my church. He promised that he would do it. And so if we want to be a church built by Jesus, we've got to let him do the building. It's got to be something that He is doing in the hearts and lives of people. This year, God has led our church to begin the process of constructing a new church building. And uh, it's already been ordered. The property has been purchased. And the, the new building has been ordered. It will be here in April. And I'm excited to see a physical building built up here very soon. We've grown numerically over the past several years. So I was looking at this uh, uh, over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, in 2021, the average attendance on Sunday morning in our church was 155. And I thank the Lord for that. Last year, God, the Lord just blessed. And in 2022, the average attendance of our church grew to 232 people on average every Sunday. I'm grateful for the growth that God has brought to our church. I'm not belittling that. But our, our numerical growth. Though it has increased rapidly, I want you to understand something. When Jesus spoke of building his church, it was not mer- numerical growth that he was speaking of. It was spiritual growth that he was speaking of. The Bible tells us that the church Jesus is building is a spiritual house. Not a physical house, a spiritual one. Look at your notes at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the, the spiritual house the Bible is referring to here, that Jesus is building, it's being built brick by brick by what the Bible calls lively or living stones that is it's speaking of believers who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and have been made alive spiritually by their faith in Christ you if you are a believer in Christ are one of those living stones that have been added to the foundation of Jesus Christ and slowly but surely Jesus is building up his church of these living stones of these people who come to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior I want you to understand this building, that Jesus is building, is not something that is one one and done. It is something that he is still progressively building. And he will continue to build his church until he comes again to receive his church to himself. And I'll tell you this, until Jesus does come, he'll not be done working on you and me He'll not be done uh, 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 calling men to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Will not be done with our responsibility to continue to help new believers grow in their faith and be grounded in the Word of God. And all of these things are important. And all of these things are involved in what the Bible tells us when it says that Jesus is building up His church. So this year God has moved me to challenge this body to be built by Jesus. Yes, I'll say, it It is our desire to see more people saved this year. We're going to talk about some goals we have for that this evening. Yes, it's our desire to see more people added to this local assembly of believers. And yet, in equal importance to that, is also our desire. And I believe it's God's desire for us as a church to be built by Jesus spiritually. It's so important that we grab a hold of it of the, the anthem, the spiritual theme that God has set for us this year. Now in the state of Nebraska, i have got to turn this thing on. i have got to walk around of a little bit, okay? In the state of Nebraska, there is a river that's called the Platte River. And uh, the French explorers who first discovered it, they called it the Javier Platte, uh, which means Platte River. And it's a 310 mile long river, that according to one of the expeditionists who first discovered it he noted that it was uh, notably a mile wide in some places and three quarters of an inch deep. it's a long muddy narrow A very very shallow stream, and because it's so shallow, it has never been able to be used as one of a uh, as as a major navigation point, and never been of much use other than just providing uh, water to uh, the 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 system of nature. But because of its lack of depth, it limited the the ability for it to be used for purposes. You know, I thought of the flat river when I thought about what the Lord is wanting us to understand for our church this year. Sadly, I think that we would have to admit that for many Christians they're not much different in this world. You're a mile wide, between are your It still comes from your spiritual death. And I'll go so far as to say this, because you are so shallow in your Christian wall, you're not of much use for the cause of Christ. So Pastor, that feels really offensive you say that don't you? i'm saying it's to see the lord wants for us to grow deeper this year the lord wants for us to allow jesus christ his spirit to work in our hearts to bring us to a new level of spiritual maturity and my prayer this year is that our church Would be a church that is built by Jesus. That each one of us would grow in our depth. Would grow to a new level of spiritual maturity. And yes, as we grow numerically, and I pray that we continue to do so. It is equally important that we continue to grow spiritually. Because I'll tell you, if we don't continue to grow spiritually, we'll be in great danger of becoming something as a body of believers that God never intended for us to. So our prayer goal this year is that we would be built by Jesus. Now I want you to turn your attention to Matthew's gospel as we think about this theme. And this is really what Jesus had in mind when he first spoke these words from his disciples in Matthew 16. The gospel of Matthew is a very interesting book in the Bible and it's very well organized because it's the type of mind that Matthew had, and, and Matthew divided the book essentially into seven different sections: there's a beginning and an ending, and then five predominant sections in the middle of Matthew's gospel. And Matthew 16 is in the fourth section uh, of, of of that uh, of the gospel of Matthew. And Matthew 16 is a section where Jesus begins to speak to his disciples for the first time about an institution that before that point had never been known in the history of the world. And that institution was the church. And so let's notice what Jesus has to say about the church, starting in verse 13 of Matthew 16. If you're still with me, say amen. The Bible says in verse 13, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Well, some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, Barjona, Jonah, for flesh and blood, hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charge thee his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Verse 18. If you notice in particular, Jesus said, I will build whose church? My church. He said, my church. You see, the church doesn't belong to a pastor. It doesn't belong to a a membership. It doesn't belong to a denomination. The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus did not say, I will build your church. Neither did he say, you will build my church. No, he said, I will build my church. It's a promise that he has made and he has kept throughout the centuries since he made the promise. And so the church belongs to Jesus. And he alone is the one who said he is going to build it. And so he gets all the credit and he gets all the glory. I like what the Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 6. It says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord so walk you in him, rooted in and built up in him and so established in the faith. And so the Bible tells us that the church is something that's built by Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church that I want to be. I don't want to be a Trinity Church. Nothing wrong with things looking nice and with, with the, uh, uh, having some of the, the, the nice things that are available to us in our society. I don't want to what I'm saying. But I don't want to be a trendy Church. I don't want to be an entertaining church. I don't want to be any type of church other than the type of church that Jesus said I would build. And that's the type of church that I believe the Lord is calling us to be and focus on throughout this year. So Jesus said, I will build my church. How is he going to do it? Well, I want you to notice four ways in this passage of Scripture that Jesus said he would build his church. And before we dive into this... We're we'll going to take a minute to pray. Fill our hearts before the Lord, and ask for God to speak to us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you. make you for this time that we can open your word. Lord, I pray that you give me clarity of thought and heart to be able to convey to this local church. Your vision and your promise that you said I will build my church. Lord, as we go throughout this year, I pray that we would allow your spirit to so work in our hearts that we might be built up to be the body of that you have called us to be and that only you can enable us to be. And I pray that you'll work in our hearts. And Lord, I'm certain that there are some here in the church building today who aren't a part of the spiritual house, the spiritual church. They've not trusted you as their Savior. I pray today and today you can make their hearts and help them to understand their need for Christ and that they trust you as Savior. So Lord, I pray for those of us that have been here, some for a little while, some for quite a while. All of us would see the need to allow you to continue to have your work by your Spirit in our hearts. Lord, that we would be a church built by you this year. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Four ways he promises he's going to build his church. Number one, if you're taking notes, we should note this down. First off, we are built through a profession. We are built through a profession. The church that Jesus builds consists of people who have professed genuine faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. In the first several verses of our text of Scripture here, we see this communicated so clearly. And, and the church uh, is not built when more people gather together in the building. And that's a mistake. Uh, that's a misconception of our society today. We think of Roman churches, everything to do with more people gathering together in a building that is not necessarily a growing church. See, it has nothing to do with more people in the building by itself. The church is built when more people come to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's how true churches is built. And it's uh, horrifying. I don't have time to talk here very long but it's Horrifying so many of these megachurches today. Everybody gets having having the megachurch, necessarily. I'd rather those churches and start more churches for so people can really get it. But I'll set that aside. An interesting... The statistics among many of these megachurches churches today, so many people that come to them come for a worship experience that makes them feel good about themselves, many lead, and many of them leave. in the You understand, building a church not necessarily just about getting people to come into the building. It's about getting people to come to Jesus Christ as a word. Jesus makes this clear. In this passage, in verse 13 again, the Bible says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Now, the location here is significant. It's just pause and think about it. Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a region located about 100 miles north of Jerusalem on the border of the, the Canaan land that God had promised to his people Israel. Jesus took his disciples to this remote location to reveal to them who he really was and to convey to them why he had come into this earth. And Matthew 16 and 17 really begins to convey it, uh, uh, exactly who he is and exactly why it he was here to his disciples. Now, historically, Caesarea Philippi was known as a very religious place. In the Old Testament, it was called Baal Hermon because it was right at the base of, of Mount Hermon, and it was at this location that the center for Baal worship was established in the Old Testament. Um, you, look back, you look back when the people of Israel divided and the people of Judah, all of that happened and this was the center of their worship here in Caesarea Philippi, in this region. The Greeks later conquered the area and they made it a place where they worshiped one of their false gods, uh, Pan or Pan, I'm not sure how you say it. They referred to the region as Penea after that. Then later the Romans came into the rule and Herod the Great Uh, came into possession of this part of land and he constructed a great temple there for the worship of Augustus Caesar. And so throughout history, Caesarea Philippi had been a very religious location culturally. And it was in this culturally religious reason that Jesus asked his disciples an important question. We go back to verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, here's the question. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I... The Son of man, man. Jesus asked his disciples to tell him what the popular opinions were about himself in that day and time. In verse 14, they come back and they tell him, in verse 14, they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some say you're like Elias or Elijah, and others think you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. When all these opinions were floating around about Jesus, Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected from the dead because he jumped John the Baptist's head off. And he was superstitious about the whole thing. Alright? Uh, other people looked <coughs> at Jesus as possibly being Elijah. Remember, Elijah never died. Uh, he was caught in a chariot of fire to heaven, and there was a prophecy that Elijah was going to come again one um, and, day. And, and, uh, and so some people thought that that must be who Jesus was. Other people, because Jesus was such a compassionate person, thought he might be Jeremiah resurrected from the dead or, or some other prophet. But the point was, they thought Jesus, they thought of Jesus as nothing more than a prophet. They did not think of Jesus as the Messiah, the one foretold to come and bring deliverance to his people. The one person noted that their opinions were accurate. Jesus was a prophet in one sense, but their opinions were not adequate. They thought highly of Jesus, but they didn't think highly of him. They didn't really understand who he really was, and I think I think it's important to understand that these opinions were not the opinions necessarily of Jesus' enemies. All of the people who thought, good, uh, thought these things about Jesus, they thought well of them. They thought he must be a really good person. They thought he must be a, a significant prophet. And they, they, they weren't necessarily the opinions of Jesus' enemies here, but they missed who he really was. And I'll say it's possible for men to think highly of Jesus still today and miss who he really is understand that Jesus can't be put in a category with anybody else. He's in a category all by himself. He's eternal God who came in the flesh into this earth. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so Jesus asked him, "What does everybody <coughs> else think about who I am?" And then he came back and he asked an even more important question. Look at verse fifteen. In verse fifteen, he said to them, "But who do you say I am?" But whom say ye that I am? And in the midst of all these popular opinions that were floating around about Jesus, Jesus wanted to know who the disciples believed he really was. Charles Spurgeon once said, It matters little what others say about Jesus, whether they're right or wrong. But what is important, what is your opinion of Jesus? You see, Your answer to this question is the difference between heaven and hell. Your answer to this question will literally determine your eternal destination someday. This is the question. This is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus asked his disciples to give him an answer. Peter was always the first one to speak up, wasn't he? He didn't hesitate. Let's see what he said in verse 16. when Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter, he confessed something openly about Christ that no one else up to that point had been willing to admit. Not even Christ himself had admitted it that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the one who had been sent from God to save this world. And that he was the son of the living God. I think that Peter said, you're the son of the living God. And he said that right in the middle of Caesarea Philippi, surrounded by all these false temples and all these false gods. He said, you're not like the God that goes to house. You're the son of the real God. You're the son of the living God, the true God. That's what Peter was saying. And so what happened here is Peter, he makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And boy, it's a bold a uh, bold acclamation that he makes here, and it's a true acclamation that he makes here. He professes his faith in Jesus. and I say? Every true believer in Jesus Christ will have a day in their life when they make such a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as a will servant. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 15 says, "Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God? God dwells in him, and he in God. So I have some for you Do you have a moment in your life where you, like Peter, professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? You see, I have lots of people who tell me, well, I've always believed in Jesus. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You weren't born believing in Jesus. There's got to be a day in your life when you come to understand who Jesus is. And why Jesus came? You call Jesus your savior from your sin. You believe, you believe in Jesus as the Lord of your life, your friend. That—that's—that's that's the day when you profess Jesus Christ as your savior. I wonder if you ever day like that. You should. And I'm saying this: if you don't, the Bible says there's no better day than today. I trust Jesus, so you say. It made it so easy. Romans 10, and 9 says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Friend, today, if there's never been a day when you have professed personal faith in Jesus Christ, I hope that today will be the day that we call out to Jesus and claim him as your Lord and Savior for many souls. What a wonderful thing that would be. And I'm thankful already three uh, people this year have trusted Jesus Christ as their yeah. Lord you can be formed. You understand the gospel today. You're willing to Jesus. And so, how does Jesus build this church? Well, first, we're, we are built through a profession. It starts with trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, you cannot even begin to be built up by Jesus until you are built on Jesus. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter three and verse eleven says, "The other foundation can no man lay." than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And until you come to personal faith in Jesus as your Savior, you are not saved, and you are not a part of the spiritual house, the spiritual church that Jesus Christ is building. But hey, the moment you trust in Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says at that moment, you, you are made a part of the spiritual house Jesus is building. You said, so do you have a day when you trust in Christ as your Savior? I want look at verse 17 After after Peter made this profession of faith in Jesus, this Lord Jesus went on to tell him. Verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, or happy are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Boy, Jesus told Peter, you ought to be happy, Peter. Son of Jonah. That's what Bar-Jonah means. Because flesh and blood is not going to give this unto you. What Jesus was doing there and saying, hey, you're just a common guy, Peter. You're just a son son of a common guy. You're just a son of Jonah. It wasn't your pedigree that made you understand this. Then he said, flesh and blood, you didn't come to understand this by your humanity because you're just a special human being. No, it was no cunning of Peter that made him understand the truth of the gospel. But what was it? He said, it was my father, which is in heaven. Do you know how people come to understand who Jesus is and why they need, need him as their saviors their life? By the same way. By the revelation of God the Father. Okay. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing the word of God. And friend, when you when you hear God's word concerning Jesus Christ, it convicts your heart of, uh, 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 of the need that you have to trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. You understand We are better than other people in this world because we're saved. We're just blessed. Okay, We ought to be happy for the fact that that God saw fit to reveal to us the truth of His Word so that we can come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. See, it's not by our human merit. It's not by our own cunning. It's not because we know something that other people don't know. It's only by the grace of Christ that any of us can be saved. The Bible says, well, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What faithful thankful for the grace of Christ that reveals salvation to people like you and me. And perhaps you're sitting here today and you've never understood that you were a sinner. You never understood why you need Jesus in your life. But today, God's going to use this word to convict your heart of the fact that you are a sinner. And you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I'll tell you something. The moment you trust in Jesus as your Savior, your faith is laid on the foundation. we know how Jesus builds his church? He builds it brick by brick, by, brick, by brick of people who trust in him as their Lord and Savior. That's where it begins. And so we are built through a profession. Here's the second, second way that Jesus builds his church. Secondly, we find Jesus builds his church by a promise. We are built by a promise. Now, the church Jesus builds, it consists of those who are actively relying on this promise of which I speak. And let's look at it in verse 18. After Peter had confessed his faith in Christ, this is what Jesus went on to say to in verse 18. He said, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now listen to me on this. The Catholic Church has used and used <coughs> this one verse. And it's interesting, old, old religion, religions have to cherry a big verses out of the Bible and use them to their own needs. The Catholic Church is trying to use the religious Church to, to try to teach that the church is built on the rock of Peter. And that's not at all what the Bible is teaching you. And they call Peter the first pope, and now the pope has all this authority and all these things All these the Catholic Church teaches. But what is the Bible teaching you? That must not be what it is. What is the Bible teaching here? Well, look at it. Uh, look back at that verse. When you study the verse, you'll find that Jesus looked at Simon, and he gave him a new name. He said, you're Peter. You know what Peter means in the Greek? He means a little stone. That's what means. And then he said, upon this rock, a different Greek word, Peter is Petros. This rock is the Greek Petra, which means a large stone or a boulder. What Jesus was essentially telling Peter was this. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you're a little stone in this thing." But upon this rock, I build Jesus wasn't referring to Peter. Jesus was referring to Peter's confession of faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. friend, That's still the rock on which the church is being built. Thank God we're not built on another man. We're built on a solid foundation, a solid rock. That's Jesus Christ our Savior. Testimony of scripture is clear that Peter is not the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.20 that we as the church are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Later in Peter's uh, epistle they wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter would talk about Jesus. And he said that we come to Jesus as unto a living stone that was disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and precious. And after we come to Jesus, the living stone, Peter goes on to say in verse 5, that you also as lively stones are built up up a spiritual house. The connotation is that we're built up on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ our Savior. And so Jesus made very clear that, hey, the church is not built on Peter. The church is built, and he promised to build the church on the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. And every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ becomes a part of the spiritual house that Jesus Christ is building. And so Jesus made a promise here. And I want us to look at the promise again before we move on. Look at verse 18 again. This is what he said. He said, you're Peter, and upon this rock, and here's the promise, I will build my church. Can we say those words out loud together? I will build my church. Now the phrase, will build comes from a Greek word that means literally to build something up from the foundation. And the indication of this word is that the work of building the church is a progressive work. Now it's made possible by a perfect and completed work, which is Jesus' finished work on Calvary. But the work of Jesus building up His church is a progressive work. It's something that's being built up from the foundation that Jesus Christ has laid for us. And as I've said before, until Jesus returns, He will not be done with the building up of His church. And we put it this way. Until Jesus comes again, He will not be done building you up spiritually as a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, to verse 6, that we can be confident in this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you shall continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And boy, we sing it all the time. I say, it all the time when I was a kid. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be." It took, it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. But he's still working on me. He's still working on you. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, uh, is is is, is completing that work in every one of our lives, and so with every new stone that is added, every new believer that is added to this church that the Lord is building, the Lord must reinforce those who are underneath so that they can bear the weight of it. Now, recently, my kids have gotten to the age where they like to build things, all right? Which I'm glad. I much rather build and then play with dolls. And so, one of the things I've noticed is my girls like to take, we've got these little magnets, and they like to take these little magnets, and they like to build them up. And they like to build it as tall as they can. One of the things that I've noticed they do, they like to try to build these towers, but they only build it like this. They try as hard as I might. I can't convince them. They just keep stacking them right on top of each other and all of a sudden you know what's going to them, like eating, and it falls, and that's, all, that's a whole bunch of fun for them, okay? But they don't understand that the higher you build something, the broader you need to go it, mm-hmm. Or if you don't, go to become saved You're going you to become it, so. mm-hmm. You know, as the Lord is building up His church with new really people being saved and coming to the land, it's equally important that we do a good of a good to be able to sustain the land. As we have experienced growth over this past year as a church, the Lord has really convicted my heart. And I tell mean, you, we have felt the weight of all the new people God has brought into our church. That is not a fact of okay? That is good advice. We've also felt the weight of how we would take care of it. God's design is that as He adds people to the church, those who have been saved are growing in their the spiritual church. And will tell you, as we focus on being built by Jesus, it's not just about more people coming to church and being saved. Yes, it's about that. But it's really about you growing in your spiritual life. And that's what the Lord desires for us to take steps forward and see the Lord do in our hearts and lives this year. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Well, ultimately, the church is not built by the plans and programs and processes of men. The church is built by the promise of Jesus Christ. He said he'd do it, and we will do it. We just let him have his way in each one of our hearts and lives. And I want you to keep in mind that last statement in verse 18. He said, I will build my church. And let's read the rest of the words out loud together. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Interestingly, in the region of Caesarea Philippi, there was a great cave that many people in that damn time believed to be a gate to the underworld. In fact, it was often called the Gate of Thieves. They believed their gods was right down the waters into this cave, into the underworld during wintertime. Um, kind of like some people do down the, the peace, right Here. Okay? Um, anyway. And so that's what they believe about this And I don't have a doubt that Jesus had this in mind when He was speaking about the gates of hell. But spiritually speaking, the gates—the gates of, gates of hell—is a reference to all the spiritual forces of darkness at work in this world. You make—you make, you make no mistake about it. The devil is real, and the demons are real, and they are very active, and they are at work in this world today. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers and the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And boy, there's a very real enemy at work in this world, a very powerful enemy at work in this world. I don't care how powerful it is. Jesus said, the gates of hell, all the forces of darkness, they will not prevail against the work that I'm about to do with you. Friends, we can get discouraged about the things that are happening in our society today, but isn't it a wonderful thing to be able to live on the promise that Jesus said, I'm build <coughs> my church? I don't care what Satan throws at it. not do that. The church is going to continue to grow. Even during times of persecution, in fact, during times of persecution, the church has not dwindled its... It's actually historically grown even more during times of difficulty and persecution than it has during times of peace. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. First John 4, 4, Jesus said, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so listen, friend, Jesus has promised to build his church. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God to build your life this year mm-hmm. as a part of this church. If you believe that, my second question for you, the more important question is this, will you allow God to build your life this year? Is your allow God? He promised that he will. He promised that he will. But the question is, if you are going to allow him to do it, the best decision that you can make this year is to let God Jesus build your life. I'm just put this out there to you. Whatever God allows you to go through this year, I don't know what it's going to be, you don't even know what it's going to be, but whatever God allows you to go through this year, could you just mark down in your heart right now that it's something that God wants to use to build your life to be more like Jesus? See, that's how the Bible tells us we should respond to all trials and rejections. And uh, James chapter 1 makes it very clear that God allows trials in our life and we should rejoice over them because through the trials and difficulties we go through in life, He uses them to make us into a mature person than Jesus Christ our Savior. And so Jesus is building His church. We are built by a profession, that's where it begins, and then we're built by the promise of Jesus. Now, there's two final ways I want us to see. I don't have time to park here alone. We'll come back to the on this more later. But here's the third way Jesus promised to build this church. The third way is that we are built by the power. We're built by a power. You see, the church Jesus builds consists of those who are empowered by his authority. I want you to look at verse 19. Now, this is a pretty controversial verse of Scripture. You know, I dare say, is, as we read it, we will wonder, what the Lord is that talking about? Verse 19, here's what the Bible says. He said, "Now, given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven... And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I mean, you know there are a lot of funny jokes today about St. Peter sitting at the gates of heaven. I thought about telling you I never realized this before, but the whole premise of that joke is based on the fact that Catholics believe Peter actually has the keys to heaven. Okay? Well, I can to it to you, but Peter is not actually sitting at the gates of heaven, and he doesn't have the keys, the only keys to heaven either. Uh, this promise Jesus gave was not just to Peter, it was to all the people who, like Peter, profess faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so if it isn't talking about St. Peter having the keys and sitting at the gates of heaven, what is this verse talking about? Well, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, it speaks of the authority of Jesus. It, just as a leader, well, will bestow authority to someone by giving him keys to the building, giving him permission to be able to do certain things. Even so, Jesus, for all of his followers, has given the keys of his authority to be able to exercise his will on this earth. And the Bible tells us here that with these keys, Jesus' followers would have the authority to bind and to loose Uh, certain things. And this speaks of the authority to forbid certain things and to permit other things. We use the same illustration of a key. uh, We have the ability to unlock the door for some things and to lock up the door for other things, to open and shut the door for certain things. And this is the summary. Christians have the authority to declare what is acceptable and what is forbidden by God. So that sounds controversial. Well, here's why we have the authority. The only reason we have the authority is because we have the truth. We have the kids. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. See, the Bible says that the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. God expects the church to be the place where the truth is found in the midst of society. He's very confused about what the truth is. And so if the church will not declare what the truth is, what the Bible indicates is that no one will declare what the truth actually is. So Jesus said, I'm giving you the key. To be able to bind and loose, to be able to open and shut the door of understanding for people about the truth of my word. And that's why God tells pastors, hey, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You tell the truth even when it's not popular to tell the truth. And you tell the truth even when it during the times when people want to hear what the truth is, it doesn't matter what the season is, the church is supposed to be the place where people can come to find out what God actually says. And so, contrary to popular opinion and contrary to political correctness, Jesus has given the authority to the church to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. Forget this. When the church, when the body of believers stands up and Tell someone who says they're an atheist, the well, friend if you're going to hold to that position, that means that you're a sinner and you're condemned to, condemned to hell for all eternity. Yeah. We have the authority to be able to tell them that, because that's what the Bible says. Same token, if someone comes and they say, "I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior," and, and, and they indicate that they follow what the Scripture teaches about professing faith in Christ, the church has the authority. be able to say, hey, you trust in Jesus as your Savior. the Bible says you're saved. Well, the door's been unlocked for you. I'm have to talk about this for a lot longer and talk about issues in our society today. Even though nobody wants to talk about what the Bible still says about things like homosexuality and alcohol and gambling and all the rest of it, we still have the glory given to us from God to declare this is what God says, and that God expects for us to do so as the church of God. That's what the Bible's telling us about here. And and, and, uh, 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 one person put it this way, the authority of the church lies in the fact that it has heaven's word on everything. (laughs) Literally, I can tell you what God says, and the reason I have authority is because I can tell you what God says. Now, here's not what this verse is telling us. Okay, Jesus didn't, in writing these words, obligate himself to agree with every decision the church has ever made. To To say whatever the church decides, that's the truth. No. No. The church only has authority to do authority as it comes from Jesus Christ. I you one know, person put it this way, you think about a door. If I have a key to a door, first off I have to have the right key if I'm going to lock it and unlock it. Right? They have the right source, right? Yeah. Right. But then when I put that key in the door, I can't turn it any way I want to. The key's only made in the door, certainly. So i it that way. Even so, the authority that the Lord has given us as the church, it only will ever line up with what God has ever given us. The key to the door will turn a certain way, and the authority the Lord has given us as the church to declare His truth, will only ever align with what the Word of God actually says. And so the church does not exist to get, uh, get man's will done in heaven. The church exists to get God's will done on this earth. And the Lord has given us the power and authority to be able to do so. And so Jesus continues to build His church through the authority of His Word. And I want to make this point, uh, this application as clearly as I can to you. The Lord has given us His authority, and He intends to build His church through the authority of His Word. And so what that should mean in our life today is that we make the Word of God an important part of our life you want to let Jesus build your life this year, it's not just going to happen because you come to church every Sunday. In fact, you'll have a very shallow faith. If that's the extent of your faith. If you want to really grow and let Jesus build your life, you need to begin the word of God. And let the Holy Spirit of God begin to help you understand the truth of God's Word. Not challenge the church this year, but take a step forward when it comes to your relationship with God's Word. Some of you don't feel read to do We want to start this year. Some of you, church is just a nominal thing. You come every once in a while. Make church a priority, a place where you can come and regularly hear the word of God taught and preached. Some of you haven't joined a small group yet. I'm going to challenge you this year to take a step forward in studying the scriptures with other people who are part of this church so that we can allow the Lord to begin to build us up in our faith. And there's so many applications that we can bring to this. But the point is, hey, as newborn babes, we are to desire the sincere milk of the word that we can build upon. God wants to build us to the authority of his word. We're out of time, so let me give you this final thing. Lord is building his church. We're built by a profession, that's where it starts. Built by a promise that Jesus Christ would build up his church. We're built by this power, this authority, the word of God. And we're built by a pursuit. A pursuit. The verse 20 quotes what Jesus said to his disciples. Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Jesus gives us great news. I'm going to build a church, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> Why? Well, I don't have time to elaborate it, but let me just summarize and say, Jesus told him not yet because he'd not yet gone to the cross. Yeah. Right yeah. after this, you read the next verse Jesus goes on and tells them, hey, I'm about to go to God for your sins and the sins of the world, and I'll be buried and I'll be raised again from the dead. And the disciples didn't want to accept it. They didn't want to believe it. Jesus told them, I'm about to do all that. And as you read on the scriptures, we find that's exactly what Jesus did. He went, he died on the cross for our sins, and and he was buried, and he rose again. And after he rose again, before he ascended into heaven, he looked at those same disciples who had said, hey, keep quiet about it. You know what he said to us? Don't tell everybody. Don't tell everybody what I've done for you. Don't tell everybody that I paid the price for their sin and they'll Trust me as their Savior. Hey, they can be saved, and they can become Body, but I am there to save them from their sin. Well, that's the mission that God's given us now. You know, another way that the Lord builds His church is through that Great Commission. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter eight, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen, "All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And so build you therefore, and teach all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And today, the Lord Jesus has given us a mission. And through this mission, through this commission that the Lord has given us to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, He's still building His church. And boy, every time a believer in Jesus Christ goes and tells someone else about Jesus Christ, hey, and they get saved, and they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they They encourage them uh, to get baptized and and to begin to grow in their faith. All of a sudden, you had one, but now you have two. And then those two people, they go, and they tell someone else about Jesus Christ. And they get saved. And they trust Jesus as their Savior. And they get baptized. And they begin to grow in their faith. And all of a sudden, where you had two, you had four. And then the four become eight. And then the eight become 16. And all of a sudden, you can see how the Lord begins to add to His church. Through this mission that He's given us the reason you're here. But you have a you, you, you have a job somewhere, if you had a job somewhere, and that's your simple job, but that's not the reason you're here. The reason you're here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is to bring other people to Jesus, and to help them go their way. You know how the Lord wants to build us this year as a church, by challenging every one of us to become a part of this group. This mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. Now, wonder today is you consider your own life, how are you going to go this year and follow God's mandate to go tell others about Jesus? For some of you, a first step might just be to take some gospel tracts and start handing them to people. Right? For some of you, maybe the answer is you need to tell that neighbor that you've been putting off inviting the church and telling you about <laughs> Jesus, this is the year that you need to take a step forward and share your faith with someone else. I don't know what that step may be for you. Some of you are branded believers. And one of the step that you ought to take this year is to sit down with, with a more mature believer and let them take a Bible and teach you some things about the Bible. We call it discipleship. And some of you, that ought to be the step that you take so you can grow in your faith and learn more about the Bible and learn how to share your faith with other people. The point is, God's given us a pursuit. He's given us a mission where if they met, and that is to go into all the world and teach others about Jesus, and once they get saved, to see them baptized, and then to teach them more about the Bible so that they can learn to stand on their own two feet spiritually and be able to call other people to follow Jesus Christ's situation. It's a very simple mission. It's a very simple plan that God has given us. You want to know how Jesus is building this church? It's by his mission, his great commission that Jesus has given to us. And I wonder how we're going to get involved in being a part of this mission this year. Acts 2 and verse 47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now as I prepared for this message this year and I thought about Vision Sunday, one of the things that got overwhelmed my heart like this, this is nothing new. The Vision Sunday and yeah, alright, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. We're gonna have new programs this year. We're gonna have new things we're gonna do this year and we know. It's the same old thing. It still works. Amen. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. Will you let Jesus build your life this year? Will you let him? Will you? Do you like that clap, You're a mile wide and three-quarters of an inch deep in your your depth spiritually. This year you will go deeper. The more you love the Lord. You will walk with the Lord. And may we be challenged this year, as Jesus promised to go to this church, to let Jesus begin to do that work in our hearts and lives. And I'll say this, you know, this is the last thing I said. If you're in here and you're not part of the true church, you've never had a day when we have fortunately professed. Think of Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today would be a great day to make that same confession that Peter did. I believe that you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And I hope that if you've never made that decision that today you'll come and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes together. Our heads are bowed, our, our eyes are closed. Oh, we want to be a church built by Jesus. How many of you would have to admit, Pastor? in my heart as you have preached today, God has spoke to my heart? Would have to admit that I have been very shallow in my spiritual life. I have not been growing spiritually as I ought to, And the Lord has spoken to my heart about that. But that's you, would you raise your hand to testimony. thank you for your honesty. Anyone else say, Pastor, that's me. I'll pray for you. This year, I want to challenge you to make the decision. Jesus. We want to be a church that's built by Jesus. you are here today, and you say, Pastor Bruce, I have never known personal faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not even sure I'm really a part of the church. I don't know if my sins are forgiven, if I'm on my way to heaven. I'm just not sure about that today. But that's you, and Jesus, and you, and I pray for you. We're not sure that you're saved. Just look at that and it like that i pray for you. I'm not sure that I really know Jesus as like my Savior. Pastor Bruce, please pray for me. I'm not sure about that we're, good. we're going to have a time of invitation. During this time, we're going to invite you to come forward to pray. Make the decision that God is speaking to your heart about. And I hope that you will. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed its close. As the music begins to play, you stand to your feet. Right now, God has spoken to your heart. You lifted your hand. Can you come lift your heart on your now? Can we commit together as a church this year to be a church built by Jesus? Right now I invite you to go. As God's speaking through your heart, I invite you to go.